Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, a people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Wake that ass up. In the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. My guy. He's an author, New York Times best-selling author. He's an entrepreneur. He is a podcast host. And now he is a model as well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jay Shetty. <laughs> a model. A model. <laughs> By the way, Jay Shetty's more than a podcast host. He has one of the top 10 biggest podcasts in the world. That's right. Okay. Like, I think that's very Thank important you, to note because everybody got a podcast. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Jay Shetty has one of the top 10 biggest podcasts in the world. What is it, number five, I think? I think so. That's on Spotify. I think that's what it came out as. But no, thank you for having me, guys. I Absolutely. love being here with you guys. I'm so grateful to be back with you. Congrats on the new studio. Thank I you. know it's not new for your. For your viewers, but it's new for me being in here with you. But thank you. Thank you, guys. You're one of the people I always use as a model, man. When people tell me, like, you know, how do I get started in podcasting or broadcasting? I always say you got to be your true, authentic self, and you got to provide something that, um, you know, may be missing. And you came with healing, you know, conversations about mental health, love, 
and you filled a very big void in the marketplace, a void that I didn't even think people knew was missing. Wow, that that means a lot coming from you. Mm-hmm. I think I think whenever you're starting anything right, it's about finding the space in the market mm-hmm. and then figuring out what you just said, that authentic part that you can match with that space. And I think for me, I love all the podcasts that exist in the world and they serve so many different purposes. There's so many that I listen to. But for me, I was, I remember I was at this event and the event was called Building Meaningful Lives. Mm -hmm. And Tom Brady was speaking at the event. And then they were asking questions and I don't know Tom Brady and, you know, we're not, we don't know each other. We've never connected. But I saw a lot of questions being asked to him and all the questions were about the rings and the games and Mm -hmm. the sports. And I could tell that he was, trying to talk about meaningful things because the conference was building meaningful lives. And again, I don't know him, so I've never checked this with him. But from my perspective, I could, I felt my intuition suggested that he wanted to go in a direction that he couldn't go in because everyone just wanted him to talk about sports. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I want to build the platform where someone like him could go in the direction they want to go in. That's like when you came on the show and you need to come back. We need to have you back on. So love to. Like, you know, when you came on, it was like, we could go in the direction that you want to talk about that some people don't have the platform to do that for, mm-hmm. you know? So that's where it came from. You know, we had uh, Kevin Gates up here. He's a rapper and he, he has a, 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 a song called, um, I think it's called, I Can Heal You, you know? And he's talking about, you know, the, the fact that he feels like he can heal women, mm. right? But just in general, do you think <laughs> you can heal people? I can't heal people. Yeah. I'm not that powerful. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I have the power or the capacity to heal people but I believe the universe does. Mm-hmm. I believe energy does. I believe frequency does. And I think that all we're trying to do is introduce people to all of these ideas, concepts, practices, habits, mindsets that they can then That's implement. Right. I think people taking on that power is too much pressure. Mm-hmm. I think taking on that pressure of I'm going to heal you, I'm going to heal people. Wow, I think I would crumble if I felt <laughs> that way. I would, I would not last two seconds. And mm-hmm. so I... I've never felt that. And I've always felt that I've been a vessel for my teachers and mentors and guides. I feel that I've been so invested in a lot of people will say to me like, Jay, you're so young. How did you learn this? And I'll say, I just got lucky. I had Mm -hmm. great mentors, great teachers, great guides. And I'm just trying to share what I've learned through me. And yeah, I don't want, I don't want the pressure of trying to be a savior, Mm -hmm. messiah or a healer. You you can heal people through your experience though. Because people, you know, I think a lot of times they feel like they're alone. And if you explain your story and tell them how you got through your tough times or whatever that you've been through, it can, like you said, give somebody a roadmap of what mm. they can do. Absolutely. Now, if, you know, for every situation that you try, it might not work for somebody, you know, yeah. uh, but it'll give them a, a guide to maybe something that can put them on their healing journey. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I feel like that is still so much on that person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like of that's course. what we've seen, whether it's mental health, whether it's growth, whether it's personal development, so much of the accountability and responsibility is on the receiver of knowledge. Mm-hmm. My teachers would always give this beautiful example. They'd say, because sometimes, right, I'd go to listen to a talk or you go listen to a podcast and the person who's teaching you is maybe not the best orator. They're not the best communicator. They're not the person who's coming at it with mm-hmm. all the you know gems and everything else. And my teachers would say to me, if you're sitting in a class like that, that you may think the speaker's at a zero, but that means you need to rise to a 10 Mm. to extract greatness from them. Mm. Whereas if your speaker's at a 10, you get to coast at a zero and you may extract nothing from them because they just entertained your mind. And so I think as a listener, as a practitioner, we've got to raise our game to extract greatness from who we're listening to Mm. and implement it in our lives, if that makes sense. Does, Does everybody, no. 
I feel like everybody deserves healing. Mm. But does everybody deserve healing? I would say that let, let's let's go around down this thought experiment to answer that question. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about this. If we could simplify the purpose of life to be to love and be loved. Mm-hmm. If we could agree that we think that loving others and being loved by others feels like a meaningful purpose in our lives, right? What's really interesting about that is that because of how we've been loved growing up, we chase to do things in order to be loved. So we start thinking, well, in order for me to be loved, I need to build a big business. I need to look a certain way. I need to have a certain amount of followers. I need to build a podcast, whatever it may be. So we start doing lots of stuff in order to be loved because we think to to love and be loved, we need to do big things. Then what ends up happening is we end up in a space where we realize that doesn't lead to love. I'm not loved more because I have more followers. I'm not loved more because I have more money. I'm not loved more because I have more. Which then begs the question, going to your earlier question, we need to heal that idea. So I think everyone deserves healing Mm -hmm. because everyone's been misled, Mm -hmm. whether it's by the system, whether it's by society, whether it's about conditioning. So if you look at the journey as to why everyone deserves healing, it's because everyone started from a purer place, or everyone started from a more naive place, but got led down a certain path that then requires them to have healing. So I think everyone deserves healing. What do you think, Charlemagne? I'm no, seeing you no, 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 no. Thinking I, about no, it no, deeply. I, I do. I just hear people say that, you know. Yeah. And um, I think what what I what I would tell folks is, you know, that's like you said, that's really not up to you to decide. Mm. You know, if a person, regardless of <laughs> what they've been through, if they decide to go on their healing journey, that's between them and. And, and their creator, and that's between them and their their yeah. trauma. You yeah. know, who am I to say that person doesn't deserve healing? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I guess the other question too would be: Does everybody deserve forgiveness and grace? Mm. I mean, here's here's how I like to look at it. Let's let's pretend that we lived in a world. Actually, we don't need to pretend that is the world. Let's let's live in a world where there is no forgiveness and grace. Lord have mercy. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see what what would that look like? Like let's do a thought experiment. You have a planet, there's no forgiveness, there's no grace. Mm-hmm. I would struggle to live in that world because I know I need forgiveness and grace, not only from myself, but from the people around me. Mm-hmm. If my wife wasn't forgiving and giving me grace, that would be a really tough relationship. If my mom didn't forgive me and give me grace, that would be a tough relationship. If my boss, if you know, whatever else in my life, I think we'd actually all be living with more anxiety, more stress. And we'd internalize that lack of forgiveness and project it back onto ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that would perpetuate a cycle. By the way, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our lack of capacity for forgiveness and grace for others actually comes because we don't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, you know, amazing things can happen whereby we literally will, you know, I think, I'm sure you've heard this too, where it's like, I loved you until you did this. I believed in you until you did this. And it's almost like we don't give ourselves a second chance. And because we don't give ourselves a second chance, we don't give others a second chance. Mm -hmm. And I believe that everyone deserves forgiveness and grace if they are willing to choose the path of reformation. That's right. If they're willing to go on the path and do the work of saying, I have had some challenges, I've made some mistakes, I'm willing to grow, that's... 
But sometimes it's a chicken and egg situation because sometimes for someone to have that reaction, they need to feel that there is an opportunity for forgiveness and grace. So often people are so scared that people won't forgive them that they don't want to admit it, right? Like, let's take a very basic example. Like, uh, you know, someone's, let's, let's take something that I think, you know, someone's cheated on their partner. Not, not an ideal situation, not a great thing. Do we just let that person get away with it? Of course not. But partly that person may be scared of sharing it because they're scared there won't be forgiveness and grace. That's right. Now, or scared to lose. Or scared to lose. Yeah. Now, they've made a mistake and they should be held accountable regardless because if they were in a committed relationship. But it's this chicken and egg situation of like, where, what comes first? And I don't know the answer to that because mm -hmm. it requires so much from the person who's been hurt. And it's sad because you've already been hurt and now more is required of you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people feel that way, that they're the one who've been hurt, but they've got to be the bigger person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times with, with forgiveness sometimes, it's why the person asks for forgiveness or why the person is mm -hmm. sorry, right? Mm -hmm. So like you said, in the cheating situation, right? It's quick and easy for a person to say, okay, I'm sorry, totally. because they got caught. Totally. You know, same thing with, with somebody when they say something wild online, right? Mm -hmm. what, what the, first, the first reason they want to apologize really is they want things to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. But are they really sorry? Did they really understand what so they well did said. and hurt somebody? Uh, and I think that's, the problem when it comes to forgiving somebody, right? It's easy to say, I forgive you. You slap me in my face and I say, okay, I forgive you. But no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Not until we have the conversation of why you slapped me in the face, yeah. why you said what you said, how did you affect me? And then we can get to that path. But I think a lot of times it's easy for people to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. I went to rehab, it's over, right? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and the world is supposed to open back up. But if you can't explain to me why you did what you did yeah. and, and assure me why it can't happen again, mm -hmm. I can never forgive you. And people will be like, Absolutely. well, forgive you means this, that, and the other. No, I don't think about you, but that's that's my reason of feeling that way. I, that's Yeah, that's the best. I fully agree with everything you just said. Mm -hmm. That's 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 what's missing is you, you, just, you said something so subtle and so passive that I want to highlight for everyone because I'm like, that is it. It's mm -hmm. like we want to say sorry often because we want things to go back to normal. Correct. And that, that is the mistake. Like that isn't worthy of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And we need to go deeper than that. Mm -hmm. You just uh, sat down with First Lady Michelle Obama. Conversation was everywhere, right? Uh, and she expressed how terrified she was about this election year. What was it like hearing that from her? And how do you process that? Does that give you anxiety when you hear that? Yeah, it's an interesting thought process because I can't vote in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, I moved here eight years ago. I have a green card, but I don't, you know, I don't have voting rights. And I moved here the year Trump became president in 2016. And so it, I've had an interesting education in the United States. And I haven't, you know, I didn't grow up learning American history or American politics. So I'm also very uneducated in, this, in that space mm -hmm. specifically. I think for me, I look at most things as things I can and can't control. And when I think about things that make me anxious on a global scale, I often ask myself, what is the root of that anxiety in my community? So if I'm seeing whether it's ignorance, whether it's a lack of understanding, whether it's a lack of curiosity, openness, compassion on a global scale, I'm asking myself, where does that exist within me and my friends? and my society and how do I start impacting that? Because that I can control. And so I've been practicing that for a long time because I feel that there's a lot of things that give me anxiety. Like there's a lot of things that can stress me mm -hmm. out. There's something new in the news every day that can do that. That's right. But for me, what's really interesting is saying, okay, 
where is, like I read this beautiful quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald a few years back and, and it's beautiful. And he said that, I don't have my phone, others, I'd, I'd read it right, but what is it? I'll Google it. Uh, type in, um, type in the, type in two opposites and F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, the two opposing ideas? Correct, but look for the full quote because they only quote half of it sometimes and it's so, and read a uh, longer version of that quote. I see the test of a first-rate intelligence yes, that's it. Yeah, is the yeah. ability to hold two opposing sides in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless yet be determined to make them otherwise. That, I love yeah. that, right? Like to be able to hold two, this is, I think, the biggest challenge we're facing in the human mind is that we're not able in our micro world and in a macro world to be able to hold two opposing ideas at the same time, still retain the ability to function. So as F. Scott Fitzgerald said, I should be able to see that everything seems hopeless, yet be determined to make them otherwise. Mm. That to me is where I like to live and where I like to function, mm -hmm. is that how can I accept that things are beyond my control, I'm not powerful enough yet, control what I can try to do. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of look at ignorance in my own community, in my own friends group, in our WhatsApp chats, in our text threads, like where is that ignorance? Where is that, you know, where, where are the missing links? And how can I start to impact and influence my friends to be more open-minded, to be more curious, to be better learners? And myself, by the way, too, to question where I'm easy, quick to shut people down. Like I've noticed that so much in me recently. Like if I'm judging someone, I've really been asking myself, can I look for that quality in me? Because I really believe that the reason I'm judging it and I'm so triggered by it is because I know it's inside myself. Mm -hmm. And my judgment is just a reflection of me not introspecting enough. So to me, I try and bring down global events into the personal and intimate because otherwise it's so chaotic and so hard to deal with. I believe yep. some people's judgment is a reflection of of, of the masses, right? And And yeah. that's my biggest thing I have with social media and sometimes when people talk about their healing journey or some of the things that they do I think they look for out with act without actually doing the necessary work right so somebody might see Charlemagne and he's evolved and, and he'll explain the ways that he evolved and somebody might jump on it because they have seen it work for Charlemagne but it won't work for them because it's not in their heart you mm -hmm, know what I mean mm -hmm. I think a lot of times with social media and what you said about the masses I think people follow a fake way of doing it to pray for healing instead of trying to find their own journey. Mm. And I think that's mm. that's the difficult part. And, and I try to tell people, and I think, you know, with, with some of the things that you're doing, you're trying to find your own healing journey. Yes. You know, yes. You, you give them an example with yours. Charlemagne gives an example of, of his. I give an example of mine. But a lot of times people will try to follow that and it doesn't open up their own mind to some of their other thoughts. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's so powerful. And I think the beautiful thing about anyone who has gone on a healing journey realizes how unique yet similar it is. Like if we sat down and we talked about our healing journeys, mm -hmm. all three of us, we'd find so many similarities, yet so many differences. And that's, that's the beauty of mm -hmm. it, that when you mm -hmm. go down that path. And yeah, I would encourage everyone to not try and imitate. It's almost like, you know, a few years ago, people's morning routines became really popular. And all of a sudden, everyone's trying to do the Einstein morning routine or whatever it may be. And it's like, you're not going to become that person by doing their morning routine. That's a part of who they are. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is that there's an essence, there's a heart there that you're totally missing out on. So mm -hmm. yeah, I fully agree. You can't you can't imitate someone's morning routine and suddenly become Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. 
executive producer of Insecure Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. We're welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give us his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will be bringing his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoop takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. 
Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. I like what you said, too. Can you, uh, yeah. can you really find truth in this world of extremes? Because it feels like everybody got to pick a side. Yeah. And like we talked about it before you came in. Like I can sit down and have a conversation with somebody and people will look at that as an endorsement. Yeah. But no, we're just having a conversation because there's got to be some nuance in all of this, right? Like, like I got a spiritual you know, a leader, one of my spiritual teachers, Sutta Yadi. She always says, she says there's no such thing as right and wrong mm-hmm. in humans. Do you, do you believe that? There's no such thing as right and wrong. I mean, you could see that from the... I guess it depends what level of... It de- I guess it depends on what level of humanity you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like legal, there's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I guess morally, there's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I guess thought-wise or perception-wise, then you get into muddier territory because yeah, yeah, then yeah. what is right and wrong? Yeah. Because everyone's looking at everything. If you just think about the multiple lenses that we've had, it's like... If you imagine that every life experience you've had is a crack in the mirror, right? The parents you had, the town you grew up in, the friends you had growing up, the school you went to, your first job, your first love, your first heartbreak. Imagine all of those are cracks in a mirror. Now, every time you're looking in that mirror, imagine how many different reflections and distorted reflections you're seeing. Mm -hmm. We're basically dealing with that with 8 billion people. So the amount of distortion in perception, reflection, perspective is so variegated that how can any one of us know what the truth is or what right, right. and wrong is? Because it's, there's, the options are unlimited. Like you would need an algorithm and even an algorithm couldn't compute the depths of the trauma, the, the impact, the experience. Like it would require, it would require a God brain mm-hmm. in order to formulate and contextualize all of those experiences. So I do think there was this, uh, I don't know where it's from, but I remember seeing it in Cobra Kai of all places, but there was this great line that said, uh, there's always three, uh, there's always three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. That's right. Uh, but I think the challenge is that the truth part is not, we're not even it's subjective. It's subjective, but mm-hmm. I don't even think what, what you just said rightly is, in order then, if we're saying there's three sides to every story, but we're only living on one side, the only way to get to the middle ground, and by the way, the middle ground has been a philosophical standpoint. The Buddha talked about the middle path. We talk about living a balanced life. We talk about finding the core, the heart, the center. If you look at all philosophical, spiritual, well-being traditions, it's always about the, the middle, the heart, the center, the core. Yet... The only way to get to the middle is by looking at both extremes. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get to the middle by being on one on any of one side of any thought. And so, I think what you just said, Charlemagne, and what you do here so beautifully is I I love and I try and do this too, to have conversations that people don't expect me to have with people that people may be confused as to why I'm sitting down with them in order to understand the cracks of the mirror. That's mm. what I'm fascinated by. I'm mm. fascinated by the cracks on the mirror. Because how they got to how they think is even more important to me than how they think. Because if we understand how someone got to how they think, we can help save the future because we can make sure that their experiences are slightly more 
variegated, diverse, supported mm-hmm. in order to have healthier ideas in the future. Do, do you do you feel like most people are just performing? What do you mean by that? Because when sometimes when you sit down with these people, you realize like, oh, this is this is just an act. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, just, you're just doing this because of what can what what can come come from it. So it's like I, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I try to remove all of that. Yeah. And get yeah. to what you just said. Like, yeah. And you usually get to that by seeing how a person got to where they are. And then when you, that's when you realize, like, oh, this isn't. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard right now. Like, there's this meme on social media that I love, and it's all text. And it says, society says, be yourself. And then society says, no, not like that. and it's brilliant right and so what I've realized is society says I want to know what you feel and then he goes but if you let me tell you again society says I want to know what you feel but then if what you feel doesn't make me feel good then I don't know what you want to feel and so I think people have actually kind of regressed into performing because they're so scared of being judged for every word they say and then there's the side of people performing because they think that they have to abide by certain rules or they have to you know, sit with a particular thought process or whatever it may be. But I think in our attempt to be more authentic as a society, we've actually started blocking authenticity because if your authenticity doesn't make me feel good, then I'm rejecting it. <laughs> and that doesn't actually make That's sense. Like, you, know, it doesn't, you can't, if you say something that I don't like, I can say I don't like it, but I can't tell you that that's wrong. Yeah, don't say I'm real until I say something that you don't agree with. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you can't. It can't be that way. I can't still. Be, I, mean, you, I should still be real, right? Yeah. Like, come on. But is, yeah. is it all in, in interpretation, right? Because, like, um, you've been married eight years. Sometimes when you get into a, a, a argument or you know a disagreement with your wife, it might not be right or wrong. It might be how you interpret things, right? Yes. So yes. you know, if your wife says something, you'd be like, "You had an attitude, and it makes you <laughs> upset." But really, she didn't have an attitude. So I think a lot of what we see in this world is interpretation absolutely i i try and and that's why i think the self-interpretation point is so much more important i think we get so lost in social media we've mentioned it here and by the way obviously i love social media without it i wouldn't even have had a career i wouldn't be here today so i'm very grateful to social media but the point is that i think we get so lost in other people's marriages other people's careers Mm -hmm. other people's failures that we don't make the time to reflect on our own. Mm -hmm. So when I find myself being agitated with my wife or being irritated with my wife, I look back as to why did I behave that way? Mm -hmm. And 99% of the time it's because I have a certain fear. I have a certain insecurity. Sometimes my fear is actually a positive fear of, let's say my wife asks me a really important question, but I'm about to walk into this interview. My agitated, non-mindful response is going to be, I haven't got time for this right now. I'll talk to you later. Right, which is the worst thing oh, to say. But I, I've been there. I'm just going to put my hand out. We've all been. I've me, done that, both. right? Like I've said, there. hey, I haven't got time for this right now. Oh, Talk, right? I, I would never say that, but you got more balls no, than I have. I ain't uh, got time for this right now. I've been honest and said, I've said that in the past, right? I've said that before, and I feel terrible for saying that. Now, when I look back at that, and I've reflected on that, and my wife's very forgiving and kind, and so she tolerates me deeply, and I appreciate her for that. But... When I reflect on having made that mistake, the real reason is twofold. One is, it's not that I haven't got time for it. I actually really care about her and I want to give her a really good answer. I just am scared that I won't be able to do that in 30 seconds. And so now I'm just trying to pass it off because I I don't want to take on the fear. So there's actually a well-intentioned thing there. It's not that I actually think I'm too busy. And then sometimes I'm like, well, my life's more important. Like I remember this time my, my wife would come up to me and say, 
I've had a really bad day. And I'd say, tell me about it. I've had a really bad week. And I was using her pain. You're trumping her pain. Exactly. I was using her pain to validate my pain Correct. because I haven't spent time validating my pain in private. Because I haven't taken that time to acknowledge and recognize that I'm having a challenging week. I'm now using and taking her moment of connecting with her partner to make it about me. And so again, mm. when I reflect on that, why am I doing that? It's because I haven't taken time for myself. And I think that's where I want people to live more because we could actually heal so many of our daily irritations and agitations simply by going, got it, I'm scared, I'm being insecure, and I'm not validating my own pain. Mm. How many times do you, how, many, how often have you broken your own eight rules of love? Oh, every day. Every day, <laughs> every day man. Like, every day. I, I, I don't think it's, you know, it goes back to that. How can I heal someone? I'm still healing myself. Mm -hmm. And it goes to the reality of, and I think we all know this at this table, everything in life is a process, mm -hmm. right? Like, even if you took something really tangible, like we say, this person is rich. We talk about them as if they can never lose it mm -hmm. and that it will always be theirs. That's actually not true. People could lose all their money. We talk about someone being famous. You could lose that. So in the same way, healing, progress, development, you can lose it. And I think we've got so lost in that destination addiction, the belief that you get to a point from which there is no return. And I think that destination addiction is really misleading in the wellness space because we feel like, oh, now I'm healed. And I think it comes from this idea of, if you think about it, right, social media is full of before and after pictures. This is where I used to be. Look at where I am now, right. right? And it's always like saying, I used to be in a bad place. Now I'm in a great place. No process, though. No process. Mm -hmm. And linear when the real life, life is this every day. That's right. It's just cyclical. And I think we've made our minds feel that journeys are linear. It's like A to B, like going from LA to New York or New York to LA. It's linear. But we know that life is so much more cyclical. And so, yes, I have broken the eight rules of love every day, every week of my life. One of the things you said, man, that I think is so important that I want people to really get from this, if they don't get nothing else from this conversation, <laughs> is you're, like there's no manual for any of this. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be the perfect husband. You're not going to be the perfect father. I spend so much time simply apologizing to my wife and apologizing to my kids mm -hmm. because I don't ever want them to think that I'm trying to come off as some perfect human who never gets anything wrong, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I think that is, that's very important to do and just yeah. being present. Like when, you're, when, you're, when your wife calls you, your child calls you, even if you in that moment, you weren't present, I'm, as soon as I'm done, whatever I'm doing, I'm so sorry that you know I had to do that, but I had to go do X, Y, and Z yeah. in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the thing about the point you just made, and I, and I hope this is what someone takes away from this as well is, I think a lot of us in our minds when we do introspect, we're quite heavy and harsh on ourselves. I think a lot of people are walking around with a internal inner critical voice that is completely making them feel terrible. And so when anyone says something externally, it's worse. And I just want to remind people that you can't hate yourself into change. Mm -hmm. Like you can't guilt yourself Jesus into growth. You can't blame yourself mm -hmm. into a breakthrough. When was the last time you changed who you were because someone hated you? Never. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you supported someone you hate deeply? So if you're hating, blaming, guilting yourself, it may get you started, but it won't get you there. And so anyone who's giving themselves a hard time, I'm not saying to give yourself an easy time, but that inner grace, that inner forgiveness is such an important part of you actually becoming better. So you're not doing it 
because you're trying to take it easy on yourself, you're doing it because it's gonna let you get through the hard times. The, the, the most important thing I think for a lot of people is, is back to what you said with forgiveness and grace, right? A lot of things that we do is learn behavior, right? Why do people pop their children? Usually because they got popped as a child, mm -hmm. you know? Why do people talk the way that they talk? Usually because their parents talk to them or their parents did the same thing or they do that. But a lot of times when you're in the moment, you don't see that, right? Yeah. When my dad told me, don't go out, don't do this, don't do that, my first reaction was like, I hate him. <laughs> my other friends can do it and I can't. Yeah. But now as a parent, it's the same thing. Now I understand why he said what he said, but you always pray that you get it before that family member yeah, leaves yeah. this earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thank God every day that my dad is still here, that I didn't leave being mad at him. And you know, I, I, I try to explain more to my kids because I never want them to feel that way, but I know they must feel the same way when they be like, I can't go to my friend's house for a sleepover, why? <laughs> yeah, and I know yeah. they might be mad because their friends do it, but that grace and forgiveness, we have to understand that a lot of the stuff that we do is learned behavior. Even if it's not right, we have to realize that a lot of the things that we learned and we were taught were fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that famous quote you just reminded me of that says, uh, by the time you realize that your parents are right, your kids are telling you that you're wrong. And and it's that, mm -hmm. that awkward position that we end up in. And But you know what's really interesting about that? I was talking to someone about this at dinner last night, and there's this old story that, that I heard a while ago, and it's always resonated with me, even even with my own childhood, not, not in particular, but in essence. So the story goes that these two men were interviewed, and one was an alcoholic, and the other one had never drunk alcohol, and they were brothers. And they interviewed them, and then they asked the one who drank alcohol and was an alcoholic, he said, why are you an alcoholic? He said, my dad was an alcoholic. And then they asked the other brother, why don't you drink? And he said, my dad was an alcoholic. And so I think a lot of us got an education in what not to do, but mm -hmm. we ended up repeating it instead of breaking the cycle. And I feel like in my life, I had to, I got a great education in a lot of my areas of life in what not to do and who not to be. Right. And I took all those little notes down and I think that's what's improved my life. So I think if we're constantly waiting for the perfect example and the perfect space and the perfect surroundings and the perfect aunt and uncle and the perfect parent, it's like, we may be waiting forever because no yeah, one's perfect. Right. So we almost have to make a list of what not to do, but what not to do. But and, also how to. That's why I'm, yeah. That's why podcasts like On Purpose are so important. That's why podcasts yeah. like, you know, Debbie Brown, Deeply Well is so important because mm -hmm. we learn how to, yeah. you know, break, break a lot of these cycles. Absolutely. Are you wearing Gap right now? No. Not right now. Okay, I'm just no, asking. No, because you, know you saw that. You saw yeah, that. Yeah, I saw the gap campaign. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, why I called yeah, your yeah, model yeah. earlier. You did the oh, gap campaign. Oh, that's why. That's, that's why I was wondering. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you thought a, you just thought you was handsome? That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, I was like all right, DJ MV, there's a, you know. Like, all right. There's a, you know, I wasn't expecting that from you, but, but thank you, man. I appreciate it. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. We're welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. 
Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give us his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will be bringing his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoop takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So you and your wife did a uh, yeah. holiday holiday gap campaign. Yeah, yeah. We we were just, you know, when we got asked to do that, it was like, we couldn't believe it. We're like, mm-hmm. what is this? You know, like, we grew up watching the gap campaigns, mm-hmm. like the holiday campaigns, especially. And any, I've said to my wife, any time I get to do any work with her mm-hmm. is my favorite thing because I Absolutely. get to hang with her all day. And so that shoot was fun. They made it fun. The creative team was fantastic. Like it was a good time. Mm-hmm. We walked out of there having had having had a great day. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then it was it was surreal because you know yeah definitely never been a model. So do you ever question yourself when you get approached to do things like that? Because you know people think for whatever for whatever reason what it is you do. Oh, you shouldn't have yeah ad campaigns. Yeah, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're supposed to be a Guru, eh? yeah, you know, yeah. do you ever question yourself about doing stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've, I've had, the challenge is I've had to sit with that question so much. And here's what I've come out with. One of the reasons I do it is because I don't want to be the guru. I, I don't want to be that. I'm a normal guy who likes nice things, who is married, who's happily married, who, who's living in the normal world, who has businesses, like everything. It's like, I just, I want to be that mm-hmm. because I think that the you know, the putting anyone up on a pedestal, that person will always let you down because it's it's hard for anyone to live up to that. And so 
I would rather take myself off of it and, and, and normalize it and be good with that. And, and at the same time, I think I look at it and I go, in my opinion, I'm hoping that someone's going to see that and be reminded of wellness and be reminded of well-being from the perspective of like, oh yeah, Jane Roddy, they do that thing. So I'm hoping that it's actually helping us get the message out there more. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but I also look at it as things I enjoy doing and things I love doing with my wife and I live life in that way. And a lot of the opportunities come my way. One of the things that I've really been working on, and this is probably the most thoughtful answer I can give to this, is I've realized that a lot of opportunities I give today, I, a lot of opportunities I get today they feel like a high five to my 16-year-old self and my 12-year-old self and even my five-year-old self. And then there's the more evolved me of today. And so I'm living these two lives, and I think we all are living the life of what our inner child desired and then our evolved today self desires. And I've just found that there are certain opportunities that fulfill it for that inner child that I don't want to abandon. Because what I'm worried about is that if I abandon it, there'll be some more bitterness, some more resentment that will develop, that will grow in the future. And so I want to make sure that I acknowledge the needs of that inner child that maybe weren't met at that age or that stage in my life. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I refer to a lot when I'm trying to make these decisions. I don't have a problem with it because you yeah. know we always say stop no, making yeah. stupid people famous. So why, not, <laughs> so why not make the small ones? If the small ones can get the light on them, why not? Because when it amplifies your I profile, that. more people you know, come in and pay attention. I Other appreciate thing I, that. I wanted to ask you too, do you get pushback from people who watch you sit down with a Michelle Obama or a Jada Pinkett Smith? Why didn't you challenge them on this? Why didn't you challenge them on that? Yeah, I, I don't get pushback for not challenging people because I think the questions I ask are challenging in a different way. Mm -hmm. But I think I'll get pushback because someone doesn't like that person. Yeah. But what I've found every single time is that when someone actually listens to the episode or watches it on YouTube, if you look at that comment section, it is spectacular. Mm -hmm. Like when someone's actually taken out time out of the day to listen for an hour or watch for an hour, yeah. and then you see the comment section, you'll see people having... Complete. I had people reaching out about both those episodes, the the President Biden interview as well that we did earlier last year, and the comments of people who actually listened to it. And by the way, a lot of people were like, "Hey, I don't agree with this person's politics. Mm -hmm. I'm actually on completely on the other side, but I just want you to know that listening to this interview was so enlightening from a human perspective. Thank you for putting it out there. And I respect that approach because mm -hmm. I think that's why I do the interview. I don't do the interview. Uh, for any other reason apart from us looking at the broken mirror and looking back and saying, okay, where can I resonate with the humanity of this individual or where can I relate to this person? So, yeah, I think that's that's generally the pushback. But the comment section, I, I encourage you on those episodes to go look at the YouTube comment section. Uh, it, it's, it's phenomenal to read what people are getting. Yeah, because I think your conversation with Jada Pinkett Smith, mm. the clips is what set off the Jada Pinkett hate train. Mm. <laughs> Not because of you, yeah, yeah, you know right. what I mean? But if you if you didn't watch the whole conversation in context and you just saw clips, yeah. she got attacked for yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, and Jada's a dear friend for me. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because I think any clip about anyone, I, I said, I had someone say this to me today, yesterday. They said to me, Jay, they'd met me for the first time and they were like, Jay, you're so much nicer in person. I didn't like you off of your Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fair enough, like that's cool. But it's like, it's so hard for me mm -hmm. to be all of myself in 30 seconds. And I'm trying my best, you're trying your best, you're trying mm -hmm. your best. 
but it's hard for any of us. Like, what is there not to like about you on Instagram? You're in the no, kitchen with your wife. No. <laughs> you got puppies licking your face. <laughs> No, in the what? sense of, I, th I think he was just like, you know, I feel like you feel a bit like whatever it was, like whatever mm. his, I don't even know what it was, but I think all of us, if you judged any of us off a 30 second reel, oh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure all of us would agree it's not who we are, you mm. know? So, and that's why I've I do stuff with my wife because I feel I'm most myself when I'm with my wife because mm. naturally it's the person I spend the most time with. And so, but even with, even with all of us, like I've got to meet you guys in person a few times now. We were in Cannes with iHeart on, right. on you know, f for the festival last year together. And I think when you've met people in person, that's the only time you're going to feel like you've got to know them. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone under, I feel like if someone, if someone, okay, if someone follows me on Instagram, they understand maybe 10% of who I am. Mm -hmm. If they listen to my podcast, they probably understand 75% of who I am because they're mm -hmm. really dialing into who mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. If they've read my books and my podcast, they're probably like at that 89%. If they've seen me live, they're at that 95%. Mm -hmm. And then when someone's met me in person, it's 100%. And so I think it's all percentages. And I, you know, I, I hope that we all, again, going back to forgiveness and grace, I hope that we can all give each other a bit more benefit of the doubt, mm -hmm. because I think it will go a long way for people. And you officiated uh, Ben and J-Lo's wedding. Yeah, that was a year and a half ago now. Were you yeah. licensed to do that? Uh, I had to do the online kind of, you know. Why did they, I mean, why did they? But I don't think you have to be in, in uh, Georgia. I don't think you need to be uh, licensed. Or they, I don't know the rules are there. I can't remember. Why did they pick you, though? Like... Uh, so I'd collaborated with Jen for a while. Like we'd done a bunch of stuff together. Okay, she came on the show a few years ago. We'd had a few great offline conversations. Uh, I went and officiated weddings as part of the launch of her last movie on on her special. And it was just, uh, you know, it just, I, I was really grateful for the opportunity. I, I was, you know, pinching myself as well. And, you know, for me, I love love. Like I'm a massive mm -hmm. lover of love. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd sent her the book as well. And I think that kind of, made it happen too. I'd sent the book and when it was being written and she appreciated it and she wrote me a beautiful testimonial for it and that kind of led to the wedding as well. And uh, it was like, I felt like I was just trying to make sure I didn't cry. Mm -hmm. Like I'm that kind of guy who like ugly cries during a wedding and like gets really soppy. And like, you know, she's walking down the aisle, Ben's there, he's tearing up. I'm like, don't cry, dude. Mm -hmm. You're going to ruin this. Do not cry. Mm -hmm. And and I just had to hold it together just to get through because I was like I'm about to ball. So wow. yeah, it was special. It was an amazing experience. I, I, really. I got. I know you probably got to run, so I got yeah. like one more question oh, for good. you. You say language has created the word loneliness mm. to express the pain of being alone, and it has created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. Could you could you expound on that? Yeah, it's a Paul Tillich quote. The writer Paul Tillich shared that, and to me, I, I extrapolated from his work for my book because. I was realizing that language and the way we use words completely defines how we think about things. Mm -hmm. So when you hear the word loneliness, you think sadness, you think potentially depression, you think mm -hmm. negativity. Of course. Solitude is spending time alone with yourself, but with strength, with courage, mm -hmm. as Paul Tillich says, glory. So what I've realized is we've got to be so careful with the language we use in our minds. Every single word is a seed for either a weed or a flower. That's right. And so That's every real. single word that you say is defining. So if I keep saying, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, that's going to impact how I feel. But if I say, I'm in solitude, all of a sudden there's a strength that comes with that. And so I just want to encourage people to recognize that being alone doesn't have to be a weakness. It can be a time of strength and self-awareness and personal growth, but it is about the language that we use with ourselves. And so I would ask everyone to, this one activity, 
think about the one word that comes to your mind the moment you wake up or the moment you go to sleep. Make that word a word that you want it to be. Don't let the word you go to sleep with and don't let the word you wake up with be a word that makes you feel negative, unhealthy, or weak. Because those studies show we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. And 80% of them are negative and 80% of them are repetitive. Which means you're having the same negative word or thought repeating. It's not like we're having lots of different thoughts. It's the same thought. Mm -hmm. Now you can't control 60 to 80,000 thoughts. But you can control two thoughts of the day. So just master the first thought of the day and the last thought of the day and make it a thought and a word that you want it to be. I wonder what it, when that study was done. I wonder, was it before social media or after? Because I feel like with social media, it's probably tripled that. Now. Yeah, I probably read mm -hmm. it. That, that stat probably I've read in the last three to four years. So mm -hmm. I guess while social media is around, but yeah, I mean, now it could have totally tripled. But it's interesting because it's the same thought often. Yeah. Right? It's a, a lot of the time we keep saying the same thing. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. That thought could life last a year. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh God, I'm so scared at work. I'm so anxious. That could last a year. Okay. So... Uh, one more thing. Yeah, man. Is there anything Jay Shetty hates? Ooh, ooh, that is oh, that's a great question. I need to give a good answer for that. Yeah, think about that. By then of the answer I was going to give, I have to, I can't. So the answer is I don't because I think hate personally, collectively, individually doesn't lead to greatness. Mm -hmm. I've never seen hate lead to greatness. I've never seen hate lead to purpose. I've never seen hate lead to a positive outcome. And so I think hating anything is setting yourself up to never see the greatness, the goodness in it. And so I'd prefer not to hate anything. What about the notebook? <laughs> You hate the notebook. I don't hate the I've notebook, you, but I have I have thoughts about the notebook, Charlemagne. <laughs> I don't hate the notebook. I find it hilarious as to how many, and I was like, I said, I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm, I've been like that my whole life because I grew up watching Hollywood movies thinking that that's how I was meant to fall in love. I was that dumb person who fell for that. And now I've read about something that they call Disney princess syndrome where yeah. people walk around yeah. like feeling like they're going to be saved by their mm. partner. Like you're going to have a knight in shining armor who's going to come in and rescue mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's Disney Prince syndrome as well, where we want to go and save someone and mm -hmm. we want to be the be yeah. all and end all of everything. So the notebook just has some really questionable lines where like Ryan Gosling's character says to Rachel McAdams' character, he'll say things like, oh, you know, I could be anything you want me to be. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be anything, right? We've heard that. But then the other thing is, she's on a Ferris wheel. Is that what's called? Yeah, Ferris wheel, mm -hmm. right? That's what you call it yeah, here Ferris as well? Yeah, Ferris, yeah, Ferris wheel. wheel. I always try, I have to check my British and, and American. But yeah, she, she's on the Ferris wheel. He's hanging off the Ferris wheel. And he goes, if you don't go on a date with me, I will fall. Like, I'll let go. That's really unhealthy. <laughs> like, that is really unhealthy. <laughs> like, like saying to someone, I'm, I'm going to commit suicide, suicide yeah, if yeah. you don't go out with me. Yeah. Right. And, those, and we may think, oh, it's a movie, it doesn't matter. I know people who've heard that from people. Mm -hmm. I've had people who've stalked, I've known people who've stalked people, who've, yeah. who've had people chase them down, who've, who've said things like that to people. So I or think- I'll kill myself if you leave me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think you've, we've got to be careful about these ideas. If you're watching his entertainment, it was really funny. I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, they're like, oh, I didn't sleep so well. And I was like, what did you watch last night? And they went, American Nightmare. And I was like, yeah, obviously. Oh. Like, what do you expect? So whenever anyone tells me they wake up with anxiety, the first question I say is, what did you watch last night? Mm -hmm. Because that is going to tell me what was in your brain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Just I don't hate you. the number. You think it's a horror movie though? It's basically. <laughs> <laughs> it will make your life into a horror movie yeah. for sure. Well, Jay Shetty, ladies and gentlemen, Thank where can you, they Jay. follow you, Jay? Tell them. Uh, come and check out the podcast on purpose. It's where I'm pouring my heart and soul, and you know, excited to share so many more amazing, maybe thought-provoking, maybe even pushing you slightly conversations. So come and join us at On Purpose. And his latest book was Eight Rules of Love that came out last year. How yeah. to Find it, keep it, and let it go. You yes. got a, any, a new book coming? Or you just no, no, no. This was it? just, I was just excited to be back with you and hanging. And actually, do you know what? Sometimes I love these conversations because I came here not knowing where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then you guys just guide it beautifully. So this was wonderful, man. My thank guys, you so huh? much. Yeah, thank you guys. Well, thank Jay you. Shetty, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Wake that ass up. In the morning. The Breakfast Club. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there... Time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful Black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! (laughs) And outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.